0: Okay, Shalom Aleichem, welcome back to 30 Letters in 30 Days. We are going through letters that the Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote to people from all walks of life about all types of real human issues. These are all letters from Helech Yud, that's volume 10 of the Igris Kedish, which are all from the year 1955, but if you've been with us for the past two nights... I think you'll agree that these letters read like they could have been written today. Um, before we jump into letter number three, which is uh, our letter tonight, I just wanted to mention a couple of orders of business that are pertinent right now uh, if you're watching live. First of all, we want to clarify. The, the pe- people have been asking if this is a women's class or if it's open for all. So I want to explain. The class is open for all. However, there's been a very special emphasis and a koch, an excitement, on behalf of the women, which was very uh, painstakingly planned and carried out by the V'ad O'er V'Chemais Women's Division. And the Zoom, if you're on the Zoom right now, is a, is, it was specially made for women. Men are welcome to watch live on YouTube. There's no limit to how many people can watch on YouTube live. And if you're watching the archived version, then none of this is applicable to you. Also, I just want to mention, I mentioned last night, but I'll mention again regarding the women, that they have been organizing groups all over the world, cities all over the world. I believe there are now 40 groups of women and of girls who are getting together at various times throughout this course and discussing these letters and really taking it to heart. Uh, if you would like to lead a group, you can contact contact us at the website, 30days30letters.com. And also at the website, you can sign the Dukh, that's the report that we will be bringing on Yud Nissen to the oil to report to the Rebbe about this birthday gift, this wonderful birthday gift that we are uh, putting together here. Um, I want to clarify also, there will be a sheer tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is the night of Criacea Megillah. We have enough time to break our fasts, to hear Criacea Megillah, and to get online, or at least I do. So maybe no one else will be on live but me, and everyone else will watch it, tomorrow or the, um, the, the, the the next day, but however you do it is fine. But yes, I will be here live with Hashem's help tomorrow night, the night of Kirsa Megillah. Furthermore, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, there will be a class Thursday night, the night of the Purim Suda. And in fact, not only there will be a class, there will be a double class because the way we're doing 30 letters in 30 days is we have to cover a letter every single day. Friday night we have no way to make use of this technology. It's Shabbos, so uh, Thursday night is Lachem <laughs> We'll have a double portion, and we'll have two letters and an hour-long class on Thursday night. And that will be happening um, not just in spite of Purim, but because of Purim. We'll be there, Purimdik, in a Purim spirit. And again, maybe I'll be the only one there, but you're all invited to watch the archived replay. Okay, without further ado... Let us jump in to letter number three in our packet. If you don't have the packet yet, it is on Amazon. And as of last tally, it was number 10 in Jewish books on Amazon. How about that? And maybe if we uh, make a concerted effort, we can get it up to number one just for fun. Okay. Oh, and if you don't have the book, the PDF is available. Again, everything is at 30 days 30, le- 30 letters, 30 days.com, and uh, the PDF is there, and everything, all the resources you need. Okay. Um, <clears throat> here we go. This letter, I'll begin. We're now after the high holidays. Remember, the last two letters we had were both in the middle of the high holidays. Now, the High Holidays are over, and it's the end of the month of Tishrei, Brooklyn. Again, the Rebbe addresses that he's in Brooklyn. Bracha HaVisholen, blessings and greetings. Again, this is when the Rebbe is writing to a woman. Before I begin, I just want to give you a little bit of a heads-up, I guess. The Rebbe is writing to somebody who is in pain. We didn't really have that in the first two letters. This is someone who clearly... I mean, we don't see the letter that they wrote to the Rebbe, but we can easily surmise uh, from the Rebbe's response. This person wrote to the Rebbe about a painful personal issue. Specifically, as we'll see from context, the issue of infertility. And I just want everyone to sort of notice... How the Rebbe responds to a person in pain, obviously with compassion and in a gentle manner and in a way of validating this person's pain, but there's another aspect to the Rebbe's response as well, which to me is quite characteristic of the way the Rebbe responds to people who are reaching out in some type of a crisis, and it's a little bit surprising. It's unconventional, <clears throat> but I think once you notice that it's such a constant pattern in the way that Ebbah responds to people, I think you'll realize that it's um, it's really the most effective way and the truest way, and the most respectful way of responding to somebody who's going through a hard time right now in life. Okay, let, let's let's see what the Rebbe says. <clears throat> I want to verify that I've received your letter Zman That does not have any indication of the date She didn't date her letter I, I always wondered why does, you know, if the, someone didn't write the date on the letter that Rebbe will always say that you didn't date the letter And then uh, I, I realized that I'm so used to email threads <laughs> where you have timestamps on everything, and you could, and everything's in order, and it's very easy to tell who said what and when. But when you're writing actual paper letters, it is very important to make sure you're referring to a specific letter, and you use the date to do so. So the Rebbe is saying, I can't refer to the date because he didn't give me a date. Okay. Uk and according to her request, apparently this woman requested that what heinane. I'm gonna fast forward your letter. I'm gonna respond to your letter ahead of the line. I'm gonna let it jump the line, even the urgent letters and uh, the letters that were written earlier. So the Rebbe is telling her that I am I'm exceeding or acceding to your to your request. Obviously, that itself is 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 validating that this woman wrote clearly, I mean, in a desperate frame of mind or she wouldn't have asked the Rebbe to skip the line. And the Rebbe is validating that and saying, yes, I am skipping the line for you. So th- that right there is validating. Hine Pella. <laughs> it is a wonder. <laughs> Pella is like, this is crazy. It's a completely unfathomable. Okay. It's interesting to me. I've, I've noticed the that the, the Rebbe will use this expression sometimes. Like, this is a wonder. Like, like I don't even understand how this could possibly be. And, again, this is all according to my humble opinion. But it seems to me that Rebbe is training us how to think. And sometimes there are things that we say as just... As, as axiomatic, like well, that's just the way that it is, and the Rebbe wants to challenge that and say, oh, "That's that's what you think is normal? No, 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 no. That that's actually a pellet to me. It's it's actually shocking that you're saying that. So the Rebbe is sort of like challenging that which we think is taken for granted. And the Rebbe saying, "No, no, no, don't take that for granted. To the contrary, it's not even true." And then, conversely, as you'll see in this letter itself, more than one time, I think even more than twice, the Rebbe will do the exact opposite as well and teach us that some things that we thought were wondrous and we couldn't understand or fathom, the Rebbe teaches us that, no, no, actually that's the axiom, that's the normal thing, and that's the thing that you should just take for granted as being true. It's very interesting. I'll I'll point it out as it happens. At any rate, so what does the Rebbe say as a pella? What's a wonder? This this how she started her letter. The Rebbe speaking in third person, that's how the Rebbe writes it in, in, in the honorable way in, uh, in in Hebrew to write in the third person. Maybe I'll just say in, in second person, um, because it's easier on the English ear. What you wrote in the beginning of your letter, uh, I don't know if it's a quote, but it's the Rebbe saying this is what she wrote. Shekova Hanitu that the last spark has Gone out. It, it sounds like she means the last spark of hope. Meaning, my situation is now completely beyond hope. Okay, so the Reb is saying that is a pella that you're speaking that way. Ki ayin Where would a person know such a thing? In other words, the Rebbe is challenging her her despondent attitude and saying, Where do you get this from? Like, what are you basing yourself on? Is there a is there a logic that? that you're following to this conclusion? And then the Rebbe proceeds to explain to her that her, her conclusion is completely off base. You know, I once heard somebody say, that what's a pessimist? An met cheshbin metafal Meaning, he has correct data, but his conclusion is off the mark. So the, the Rebbe is saying, and in fact, here the Rebbe is even saying, your data isn't correct. Let, let, let's see what the Rebbe says hagil. It seems like your entire foundation, meaning the crux of your argument for why your situation is hopeless, is your age. Okay, and I told you this a letter about fertility. So I don't know how old this woman was who wrote to the Rebbe, but it seems that she wrote and said, I'm beyond childbearing years, there's nothing I can do, and it's, it's too late. All right, so the Rebbe says, it seems like your whole, the crux of your whole logical argument is your, is your age. But that's not a proof whatsoever. That's not compelling. As we find both in the words of our sages, as well as we see for ourselves. The Rebbe says two things. First of all, we find in the words of our sages. I'm not sure exactly what the Rebbe is referring to, but there are places where it refers to, in in halacha, what's considered a woman of childbearing age. So this could be... uh, the reference, the Rebbe doesn't say specifically, but the Rebbe says, in addition to the fact that we know from Torah, also we see for ourselves, meaning, I guess the Rebbe is implying, you know women who are older than you, who had children. Sh'nashem shegilam gadol yesim m'shalah, yeldis bonim women older than you gave birth to sons and daughters. And the Rebbe says plural, sons and daughters. Maybe that's a, a diuk. Okay. So that's, first of all, I don't understand your, your, your argument. Venoysa falze, but in addition, and here's the real, the real point. Haray hamistako ba'elame shalakodish baruchu reya asher mipnei baloshna kassuf. Rabbu meisach Hashem, Godlu meisach Hashem. If you look at the world, you'll see that. in the Rebbe uses, he says, the lashna kassuf, which means the, the the scriptural phrase. How. Great are your works. How many are your works. How great are your works. This means quanti- quantitatively, qualitatively. When you look at creation, the vastness of creation. <speaking in Hebrew> it is impossible <speaking in Hebrew> for one person <speaking in Hebrew> to wrap his mind around and understand everything in the world. Okay? Look at the vastness of the world, the complexity of creation that God made, and you will see there's no one. There's no one person who can get it all. There's not even one person who can understand most of what's going on in the world. In fact, there's no one, this is a strong statement, who can even understand all of what's going on right in his very own backyard. Things that affect his own life. And he can't understand it all. So look around; you'll see that's just that, that's readily apparent. therefore le'mumchim That's why in the world you have different expertise. You have people who have an expertise in one thing or that thing. The lawyer doesn't practice medicine. The doctor doesn't practice law. And neither of them uh, do what the plumber does. You have specializations in the world. Why? Because. No one person knows everything. No one's going to give a confident opinion except in his field of expertise. And then regarding other topics that he's not an expert in, he relies on the people that are experts. It's very interesting here. You know, what the Rebbe is about to say is, how can we know Hashem's ways? And there are many philosophical proofs that have been given throughout the ages to prove that finite mortal man can never understand an infinite God. The proof that Rebbe gives here is just just—it's so um, accessible, so, so uh, just everyday and relevant. that Rebbe says, just look at the world around you. You want to tell me you can understand Hashem's ways? We don't even have anybody who can understand everything that all people understand. If you take the sum aggregate of human knowledge, there's no one who knows all that stuff. And that's why people are broken up into specializations. This guy knows this. This guy, this guy knows that. So how are you going to say that you know that the last spark of hope has gone out and there's, you're never going to have a child? Like, where do you get this from? What are you basing yourself on? There's, there's, no, there's no logical reason to say this. Very interesting. In reference to our present discussion, meaning about fertility. Now, although it is true, the Rebbe says, that Torah gives credence to the opinions of doctors and even bases the halacha on the doctor's opinion in certain cases. And it seems the Rebbe is talking about Shin that's chapter 328 of Erechayim, where it speaks about a Erechayim on Shabbos, that if the doctor says he's sick, so that's good enough. We go based on doctors. So the Rebbe says, 100% we listen to doctors. Torah says listen to doctors. Okay, fine, granted, no problem. And also the Rebbe mentions shall call the and everybody's conduct you're supposed to follow what the doctor says when it comes to practical instruction. So if the doctor gives you a prescription, he tells you, take this medicine or do this therapy or whatever it is. So we listen. Torah says, you listen to what the doctor says as far as practical instruction. Fine. Granted, no problem. However, together with that, with the fact that we do what the doctor tells us to do, you have to know clear in your heart. The Eibishter is the one who's really healing. Hashem is the healer. He's the one who's running the whole world, literally. Hashem running the particular lives of every individual Hashem is running every little meticulous detail especially when it comes to something so important meaning like having children so yeah we listen to the doctor what the doctor tells us to do fine no problem did the doctor tell you to do anything? Did the doctor give you any instructions? Doctor's instructions are different than doctor's opinions. Or even prognosis, by the way. Which, it's going to become clear as we get into this. Okay? So the Rebbe is contextualizing the the validity of medical opinions. Yes, the medical opinion is very important. and Allah says to follow it. But that's when it's talking about giving you a course of action. But not... To use some type of medical opinion to make a to make a statement that you're not going to have children. What watch what happens? Now your letter wasn't even it it appears the Rebbe says your letter wasn't even based on a doctor's opinion. Doesn't seem you were even basing yourself on a doctor's opinion. But even if you were to have consulted with somebody, the number of times where doctors are wrong about these things is beyond our ability to count. So, First of all, I don't even think you got a doctor's opinion, but even if you were to tell me you got a doctor's opinion, doctors can be wrong about these kinds of prognoses. So rather, the whole thing is about your strength of Bitochen. In other words, the is flipping it here. It has nothing to do with medical science at this point. It has to do with Bitochen. I should mention, by the way, there's a story of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Rebbe of Chabad. And uh, he told a doctor once, and this story we know from the Sichas of the Fiddick Rebbe. The Fiddick Rebbe told this story uh, the second night of Rosh Hashanah, Toph shin He. And uh, it's printed in the Sichas of Toph shin hey of uh, 19, uh, well, it would have been still 1944. But uh, this is a story that uh, the Fiddick Rebbe told, and the Rebbe actually told uh, many times as well that a doctor once gave a a grim prognosis to the Temerch Tzadik, and the Temerch Tzadik said, "Listen, uh, nitna permission was granted to the healer to heal. That's true. The healer, the doctor, has permission to heal, but that's all. <laughs> he has permission to heal, not permission to make proclamations or to say uh, a prognosis or, or, or to, especially, nothing grim or, or morbid. So, in fact, he said <laughs> the, the 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 expression in Yiddish that the that the Tzedek used, is he said that if the doctor oversteps his bounds and now he's no longer guiding you how to do treatment, but he's actually saying scarier, or morbid or negative things, then Werther macher. He's not a macher anymore. He lost his power. He has a power to heal. That's it. Not not the power to make a grim prognosis. So at any, at any rate, the Rebbe is saying, I don't think you even had a doctor tell you this, but even if a doctor were to have told you, not important. Okay, let's continue here. So it's not about the doctors; it's about Betochen. It's about your Betochen and your connection to the Creator of the world, and how do you cre- connect to the Creator of the of the world? You have faith in your day-to-day life. The Hashem is with you, and that's going to cause you to be happy. Now, watch the pivot. So the Rebbe validated her pain. He said, I took your letter ahead of all the other letters like you requested. Then the Rebbe starts to question, more than question, the Rebbe says it's a pella. (laughs) The Rebbe objects to the basis of her her argument, where she's expecting uh, negative things. And now, watch what happens. That Rebbe turns the whole subject of the letter into, okay, now we've spoken about what you need, <laughs> but now let's talk about what you're needed for. So the is writing to someone who's in pain, who's in crisis, who said, answer my letter urgently. And that Rebbe does that, <clears throat> allays her fears by saying, you know, there's really nothing to worry about, and you should just trust in Hashem. And then the Rebbe goes one more step and says, and now let's talk about what you're doing for the good of the Jewish people. you got to get to work. We need you. We need your talents. <laughs> we, need your, we, we need your participation in accomplishing the goal. So I understand that you're going through a hard time right now, but what about what the world needs from you? And I just, I find that so... Uh, uplifting that when somebody comes to you at, at their darkest hour, so first yes, obviously validate and allay their fears, but then let them know you know you're you're, you're not this nebuch this uh, downcast down and out uh, this this ne'er do well this person who's who's coming here pitiful, no. To the contrary, you're strong. You're powerful. You 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 have a contribution to make, and and that all that worrying you have about your problem, it's actually detracting from you making your contribution. So let's talk about your contribution now. And the Rebbe completely pivots now at this point in the letter. Okay, so the Rebbe said you're going to be happy if you have bittachen. And now the Rebbe talks about another happiness. Another happiness that you could have is the happiness that you have in your ability to have an influence on your environment. And the merit of doing so is way beyond our ability to estimate. Remember last night's letter when the Rebbe was speaking to Mrs. Sharfstein about being... A, uh, an early adopter of covering her hair with a sheitel, and talking about how when you're an early adopter you have a great merit. So similarly here that I was saying you have a contribution to make and when you do that, when you influence your surroundings, you have an incredible merit from that. okay. you do a It's known the saying of the valnor the bal said that a soul may come to this world and live a lifespan of 70 or 80 years just to do a favor for another Jew either materially or spiritually listen to what the Rebbe says here who is like the balshamv who can compare to the balshamtv who could comprehend as well as the Baal Shamtev. How great that descent is The Baal Shemtev said That a neshama could come down to this world for, for a whole lifetime Just to do a favor for another And, and, and the Rebbe is saying Now come down to this world you think that's a small thing for a neshama to come from its lofty heights in paradise and come down to a physical world full of distractions, temptations, and, and limited in its physical body? You think that's a small deal? It's not a small deal. It's a very big descent for the neshama. And, and the Baal Shem Tov understood how great of a descent that would be, or that is. Uba Cholzeh, notwithstanding that, Amar Kanal, he said this statement. Meaning, somebody who doesn't understand how massive a, of a descent it is for the soul to come to this world, they might say, hey, yeah, but it's worth it if you do a favor for somebody. But when the Baal Shemtev understands what a massive descent it is and still says it could be for the sake of doing a favor for someone else, that makes a statement. And then the Rebbe adds, not only did the Baal Shemtev say this, <laughs> The Baal Shem actually handed down this statement. He transmitted it to us. Not only Baal Shem Tev said it, but he transmitted it to us, which means we're supposed to know about this. And even in these times, or maybe especially in these times of deep, dark golos. Befrat, how the Rebbe gets personal. So that's about every soul. Every soul that comes to this world came here to help someone else. You're not here for you. <laughs> You're not here for you. You're here. For the mission, you're here to be of an to be of influence on your surroundings. That's for everyone. That's a universal truth. Now that Rebbe gets personal, and says, especially you, especially you. Ubefrat Especially we're talking about a young woman that I was writing to a young woman. Now he calls her a young woman, so I'm not sure how old she was that she was concerned about infertility. She did not yet fully use all of her powers to influence her surroundings to arouse in them the good in their souls. By the way, that itself you could you could fabrang a whole night on just those two words <laughs> the good that's in their souls. When the Rebbe tells her to influence the people in her immediate surroundings, how does he tell her to influence them to bring out their innate goodness that they already have? I mean, just those two words. Okay. And to strengthen them in goodness. And what is toiv? What's goodness? mitzvah. We're talking about learning toivah, do doing mitzvahs. So you have so much power to influence people. Get to work. And I don't just mean to influence them to get involved, to do Torah and mitzvahs on Shabbos and on Yom Tiv. I mean that you should influence those around you to especially especially to realize how to express their their Jewishness on on regular mundane days, not Shabbos days and not Yom Tov days, the days that people mistakenly think of as being gloomy days, mundane days. And the truth is, I don't even need to belabor this point. I don't have to explain this at length. Remember I told you earlier, (laughs) <laughs> that ever teaches us things that we thought were normal that Rebbe tells us no they're actually shocking and things that we think are shocking like I, I never heard that before that Rebbe wants to teach us that it shouldn't shock us we should take it as obvious see I, I've thought about this and again this is my humble opinion that ever will use expressions like similar to this where, where that Rebbe says it, it needless to say it doesn't even need to be explained okay so but apparently she did need to have it explained, as evident from the fact that the Rebbe is explaining it here. It strikes me that what the Rebbe is doing is telling us, like not only is the Rebbe explaining it, but he's telling us that really I want this idea to you to be obvious. (laughs) The Rebbe says, it's so obvious it doesn't even need to be explained. Well, apparently it did need to be explained and the Rebbe is explaining it. But the Rebbe is teaching us here, that something we thought was a big hiddish a big novelty, totally out of the box thinking, that everyone wants to, to, to tell us, no, actually, that should be your axiom. That should just be taken for granted as truth. It shouldn't really blow your mind. <laughs> the thing that you said before about losing all hope, that blew my mind. That was crazy. But the idea that a young woman who has so much talent should be influencing her surroundings, that's not a mind-blowing idea. That's like such a simple idea. It doesn't even need to be explained. Okay. All you have to do is just think for a second. Think about the fact that every single Jew, being a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is a portion of that which connects the creator to the creation. Now, I'm very cognizant of the time right now, and I would love to talk to you at length about this expression, the connection between creator and creation. And maybe some other time, in some other forum, we will, because in one place, I'll tell you where, in the the Rebbe's English forward to the bilingual Tanya, the Rebbe says that that is basically the main idea of Qasidus Chabad, that the Jew should serve as the creator and the connection between the creator and the creation. But at any rate, I have to move quickly, so I will. All right, so think for a second. Every Jew is a link between creator and creation. this is powerful. Ayyadeh chayev k'meshehim. In their regular life, the way that it is. This is a very deep, I mean, I'm sorry, I know I'm going over time, but I, I, I cannot let this not to be said. The Rebbe is saying that a Jew, just in their life as it is, and the Rebbe is going to add that on top of that, that that then when you teach them to observe mitzvahs, then it's even more so. But just in a Jew's life, just the fact that they walk this earth and they live, is already a link between Creator and creation. There was a sikhah from a fabreng in Shabbos v'yikratof Tovshin nun. And the Rebbe was speaking about current events, and some people had said some not nice things about about not-yet-observant Jewish people, and about punishments and negative things like that, which the Rebbe did not countenance. And, and the Rebbe said at that Nun, that the, the Haftorah of Parshas Vayikra, we didn't read it last week because we had Zohar, but the Haftorah of Parsh's Vayikra starts with Hashem saying, Am Zu, this nation, the Jewish people, the Jewish people, Yitzartili, I made them for myself, and that the Jewish people are, are are Hashem's creation in a very special way, where just as Hashem is 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 eternal, so to His people were endowed with that DNA, so to speak, and they are an eternal people. And therefore, the Rebbe said at that Fabrangen, every Jew, especially after the Holocaust, who walks this earth and lives and breathes, is a is a living miracle. I just had to share that, that point where the Rebbe is saying, seemingly in just a couple of words, that idea, encapsulating that idea that every Jew is a connection between creator and creation just in their regular day-to-day life. And then, of course, obviously, we supplement, we add to that with Torah Mitzvahs. I don't want to call it adding, God forbid, because it sounds like two separate things. We bring out even greater a uh, revelation of, of, of that essence through Torah mitzvahs. Okay, Kamei Sheheim, and then especially, the activities that I'm encouraging you to get involved in, meaning to help people to get uh, more involved in Torah mitzvahs. And this connection between creator and creation that is brought about by the Jew, both by their regular life and their observance of Torah Mitzvahs, that crea- that, that connection is the point of creation. By the way, that's, <laughs> that's the tanya that we're learning right now in chitas. Okay, let's uh, continue here. It is certainly superfluous to add. And again, I just want to point out, that's one of the uh, common uh, expressions, it's a common expression that I will use similarly we had before. It, do, it doesn't even need to be elaborated upon. And here that I was saying again, it's, it's superfluous to, to, to add. And again, I believe it's that same idea that I was saying, I want you to feel as sure about this as I do. I want you to feel like this is so obvious that there's, that there's nothing to even question about it. So the Rebbe is modeling for us the, the pshittos, the absolute certainty with which we should be viewing this, this, this idea. Okay. So it certainly does not even need, need to, be, uh, to be explained, and it's superfluous to explain. Asher ein anal ben ubas. Nothing I've just said, nothing I've just said is coming to minimize the pain of not yet having a son or a daughter. Okay, so the Rebbe is again validating her pain, just as the Rebbe did in the very beginning by telling her that he's answering her letter urgently. So nothing here is minimized. One doesn't have anything to do with the other. The fact that you're going through pain, I know you're going through pain, and we spoke about that. We spoke about what to do, to increase in your batochen. And, 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 and don't make negative, morbid prog- uh, prognoses upon yourself. But then I had to tell you that the main, the main thing you need to hear right now is about getting to work. And now that I've told you that you need to get to work, I just want to make sure that it's clear. It doesn't diminish one iota that, of course, it's a very serious thing and it's a very painful thing that you don't yet have children. I'm just trying to point out the absolute truth. (laughs) There's absolutely no grounds for sadness. The woman wrote to him in in, in a a depressed state. There's no basis for that. And especially not the way you wrote despair. That you've given up the to the contrary and to the contrary no no despair hope only hope one more little subject here regarding her question about moving apparently in this heartfelt letter where she expressed her her despair where she felt that she was not going to be able to have a child she must have mentioned, she clearly mentioned that she was thinking about moving so the Rebbe mentions that and secondly but more importantly meaning the main idea taking in a foster child that's what it sounds like taking in a child into your house to educate so what is the Rebbe going to tell her about moving, and more importantly, about the idea of taking in a foster child. Does not sound like adoption. It sounds, at least to me, it sounds like like more of a foster type situation. Haray this is going to depend. Meaning the answer depends, depends on something. On what? Ba za aleho. How is this going to affect you and your husband, meaning emotionally? How will it affect you emotionally? if through this, through moving or taking in a child, simcha, will it make you happier? Will it strengthen your betochin in Hashem? Specifically, That Hashem will grant you your desire for a child? If this is going to be part of your surrender strategy, of just accepting, no, I'm never going to have a child, so we'll foster... A child and we'll never have our own biological child that I was saying, then no, I'm not for it. But if <laughs> taking in a child will be part of your plan how to move forward and eventually merit to have your own biological children and, and, and to do so happily, then yeah, great. Fantastic. You tell me how it's going to affect you, and then that'll be your answer. Then, then for sure it's a good thing if it's going to cheer you up, if it's going to be uh, uplifting, but not if it's part of any anything that has anything to do with despair. Okay. Now here's another little part. I think I one time wrote to them. I think the Rebbe is saying jointly to the woman and her husband. I wrote to them something based on one of the sichas of my father-in-law, my my father-in-law. That what? Even though it is true that a person must take personal stock, that's called moral inventory. Even though that is true, yes. Nevertheless. It has to only be at special times. Because if not, You're going to lose more than you gain. So yes, there has to be something called chesh and anafish, but don't do it constantly. You know, it's very interesting. There's a, there's a Gomorrah. In Brochus, uh, Tav Chof Ches it says when Rabbi Yechenim and Zakkai, the great leader of the Jewish people during the pivotal time of the destruction of the Second Temple and the uh, reestablishment of Jewish life following the Chorben. So Rabbi Yechenim and Zakkai, when he was passing away, he said something very he said, uh, puzzling. He said, I see two ways before me, one to paradise and one to the opposite. And he said, I don't know say, which path are they going to take me to. And many, many, throughout the ages, many of the great minds have asked, how could Rabbi Yechem and this great leader, be uncertain about his, his ultimate reward? How, did, how could he not know that he was a great tzaddik? And the Rebbe actually uh, offered a novel explanation. Um, this is brought uh, in a in a sicha, in, 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 in L'kutei Sicha. It's actually originally from a mimer, L'esiyah Mishakela, Tavshin Yud Base, but it's also brought in part in a sicha, in Chelek um, Tes Zayin of L'kutei Sicha, Parashat Mishpatim, that Rabbi yechman at the end of his life, wasn't sure of whether he was going to be rewarded or not, how could he be so oblivious? How could he not know? How? Because he was so busy doing good things his whole life. He was so productive. He hadn't had time to <laughs> take inventory. At any rate, the point is that I is saying here not to never do inventory your whole life. That I was just saying, don't constantly do inventory because the main thing is, you got to stay focused on the work and there's so much work to be done. All right, let's finish up here um stop doing a stop doing a, a stock taking every day and 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 not even once a week instead I want you to immerse your talents not in stock taking but I want you to immerse your talents in good Actions in influencing your environment, like the Rebbe was speaking about earlier. You're so talented; you have such a contribution to make. Please, don't worry about your your fertility issue. It's going to be fine. Have b'tochen and 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 stop with the and nafish. Just focus on doing stuff to influence others because you have so much to offer others. Mishalim mida keneged Hashem will pay you back in kind for all that good you're doing for others. El Shekama pomim kocha. But when Hashem pays you back, measure for measure, it will be abundantly, disproportionately greater because that is the way of Hashem. lesimcha, with a blessing for happiness. Again, the Rebbe stresses the happiness and uh, that you should be able to report good news about all we have spoken about. Good night.